0: Hello 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 hello. It is numbers on the boards. Presented by Bedgear. Skint, we're not uh, we're not in space right now. We don't know that. Yeah, that's true. We don't know. Well, luckily we're not We're in, sitting in front of a blue screen, both wearing blue shirts. We should have thought that through <laughs> a little bit <laughs> a little bit more.
1: Whatever's behind us is now on our chest yeah. as
0: well. It is spooky season, so we're the two headless podcasters. So, sounds like the least exciting show probably of all time. Uh, but if you're listening on iTunes, then you don't know any of this stuff. So no. this is probably just very exciting for you. Yep. Uh, it is numbers on the boards. Episode 67 of this fantastic podcast, and cool. of course, presented by Bedgear, the official sleep system partner of your red hot Dallas Mavericks. What's up? It's two and one two times in a row. And like we said last episode, man, you win two out of every three games, you're going to be pretty good. And uh, my goodness, if you've been pulling up power rankings, CBS, mm-hmm. NBA, ESPN, Uh, your own heart you know the Mavs are like top 10 top 12 team in the NBA right now
1: how about that I think people are coming around to some of the things that you and I were excited about a lot of the people that work for the Mavs that were excited about and to actually see it manifest itself out on the court is good if you look at the two losses the Portland loss was obviously controversial with the the call at the end of the game and the Laker game was even more controversial I, a, I wasn't
0: mad about that at all as I sat in the press box for an hour after the game, <laughs> just staring I mean, at the floor.
1: Okay, uh, and, and let me say this. I had the most incredible experience Friday night because I had not gone on a date with my wife, just me and her, to a Maverick game and I'm guessing, like 13 or 14 years. Like, it had been forever. Because you've been doing games
0: on been Fox Sports. Been doing games,
1: and, and, and since it was a national broadcast... Uh, we, we went, uh, a good friend of ours, Charlie McKinney, who is a, uh, big big, He sits, if you, if you've ever seen, who is that guy sitting next to Cuban on the baseline? It's a guy named Charlie McKinney. He helped start the heroes foundation, which I'm, yeah, I'm actually wearing a hero shirt and that wasn't intentional. I just have like a bunch of hero shirts in my closet, 40 chess, but, uh, but, but Charlie is an amazing guy. And. Uh, I sent him a text I was like man you know so many people is there anybody that would sell me their tickets for Friday night because I want to take my wife to the game and and sit in good seats because it's like a special night for us and he came up with like second row He gave you
0: Cuban seats he didn't give me Cuban seats
1: uh but he did hook me up with second row baseline like I'm right by the basket Mm. uh and it was an incredible experience and you know when we call the games you're sitting at midcourt and that's you know, a special kind of action, but when you're on the baseline and it's coming at you and you can see what Luca's looking at and you can see what LeBron's looking at and all that, it's a really incredible experience. But I'm saying all that to say as I was watching the action and LeBron was coming in, I never saw Seth or Dwight or what was happening oh, wow. over on my left, the right side of the court. So mm-hmm. I didn't even know it was a controversy until the next day. Yeah. So um, and then after seeing it, you know, people have commented on it. The league has commented on it. Uh, But if you look at that, man, six and oh is very possible. Mm -hmm. And I know uh, I was talking to our friends on the Step Back Mavs podcast. Uh, Matt and Dalton, those are good dudes. Mm. And we were talking before going into the Laker game. Well, hey, what are your expectations? And I was like man, I expect the Mavericks to win home games no matter who they're playing because I think they're a playoff team and playoff teams should have those expectations. And you're not going to win every game at home, but I expect it to be competitive. I expect them to be in it and I expect them to have a chance to win it. That happened. They really did have yeah. a chance to should've win it. Should have
0: won it. Yeah. Now, I mean, that's the the optimist way of viewing it is, yeah, dude, 6-0 and is very possible. Now, the pessimist side is you could have easily lost in Denver. Sure. You maybe should have lost in New Orleans. I mean, you're getting smoked in the first half and yep. even in the third quarter. So, right. I mean, you're like a coin flip away from being 6-0, and oh, but at the same time, you're like almost 2-4. and four. Right. And in Cleveland last night, you end up winning by 20, but you're down, I think they were down 5 or 6 in the third quarter. I mean, it was always close. But A like,
1: great man once told me they play 48 minutes of this thing. Yeah. There's 48 minutes in this thing. Uh, so, and it's funny, too. It's like, you know, I know you watch Cowboy games. Mm. I'm always amazed at my Twitter experience in the first quarter. You know, and I'm looking at people's reaction. I'm like, "Have you not watched football before?" They they punt once, and it's like, "Oh my God!" Fire everybody! Right? Trade Dak. Hey, there. We you. It's okay to focus in on the negative trends and the positive trends and try to balance all that out. But man, don't have a scorching hot opinion five minutes into this thing. It's mm. never going to work out for you. Yep.
0: Never is. Like last night when the Ravens went up, I think what seventeen nothing. You were thinking, "There's no way they're going to win this game." Right. Right. And then, of course, well, they, they did. How about that? <laughs> By a lot. How about that? But, hey, it was close for a second. Uh, but, anyway, yeah, they're <laughs> how close are they to being 6-0? and Well, if if Finney Smith gets that foul call and makes those free throws, then maybe they win. Uh, the Mavericks were winning for 47 minutes and 59 seconds against the Lakers, so that definitely could have been right. a win, too. But, uh, I mean, even still, the early returns, 4-2 two, with two tough losses against yes. one team that may go to the finals, and one team that's coming off a conference finals appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprisingly, the Blazers are only 3-3.
1: Three and three. Right. Uh, but
0: they have played a road-heavy early schedule. But either way, I mean, that's like that's a, as great a start as I think anyone could have hoped
1: for. Like, I forget where I saw it. Maybe it was on the TV broadcast last night with said and Dana. But what, the Mavs are, what, third in the Western Conference, tied with all the 4-2 teams? Yeah. Good place to be. Yeah, yeah. It's early, very, but good place good to place be. good place to be,
0: yeah. So we don't need to talk about last night too much because Kay. it was just one game. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you know, in the NBA, one game is almost irrelevant yep. the day after it's played, unless Dwight Howard fouled you. You're right. Uh, but the Mavs win 131-111 to 111 in Cleveland giving them their first and 3-0 start on the road since 2010. Awesome. Uh, very good stat right there. They scored 130 points in regulation just the third time in four years. And then also they had their third 40-point quarter of the season. Last year I think they had six for the whole year. Yeah. This year they have three and six games.
1: have you, so have you haven't you, Haven't you enjoyed all the different combinations and ways in which they've scored early on? Yeah. I mean, what if I had told you, bro, and we're, before we even reach game ten, you're going to get some awesome Porzingis with Boban minutes together, Dude. and you're going to love the way the offense looks, Boban the way was the defense plus looks. Plus
0: twenty five, he was so good, and he played like what twelve minutes or something. Yeah,
1: it was outrageous, it was unbelievable. And, uh, and uh, you know, Kevin Love said some great things about it after the game. But you know, if you put yourself in a position to do things, you know, if you if you put if you you read the floor right and you put yourself in that position, Luca Gon find you yeah he gonna find you and all you got to do is finish
0: absolutely uh do you want to talk about luca
1: i'm always ready to talk talk about about kid Uh, magic
0: okay so you've probably seen the graphics you've probably seen the uh the skiddly do uh with the razzmatazz and the hop in there too you've seen it all 29 points 15 assists 14 rebounds uh he's the first mav with back-to-back 15 assist games since jason kidd he's the youngest person ever to have 15 two straight uh He, two games in a row, put up a stat line that only seven other players have ever put together. Uh And only one of them has done it two games in a row. That's Oscar Robertson. Uh, So he was good. Yeah, yeah. Big O, pretty good. Uh, So Luca this year, his per 100 possession stats. The reason we do that is because every team plays uh, at a different pace. So you normalize it for pace, you normalize it for minutes, you normalize it for games, all that stuff. Per 100 possessions is pure production. What are you giving me uh, per time that your team has the ball? He's averaging 35 points, 13 rebounds, and 12 assists per 100 possessions. That's pretty stacked. And that's rounding down. Now, if you round up, then it's even better. But the only other player ever, ever to average those numbers is Russell Westbrook the year he won the MVP. Now, it's six games. What's up? Small sample size. What's up? Very small sample size. Doesn't matter. uh, Against only six NBA teams. Yeah, the six best. A few of which will not make the playoffs. Meh uh but is he gonna win the mvp
1: or i mean is he win right, like hall so of
0: fame or like where where like three straight titles where you, are we stopping you
1: brought this up i think it was two pods ago and it was good uh, fodder good conversation i thought but like can we lump or heap too much praise on this guy and i don't think we can mm. i think and i thought about this towards the end of last year but the reason that you do, that with a great young player or potentially great young player the reason you don't compare him to Jordan or Bird or Magic or any of that stuff because it is "quote unquote" unfair expectations. Mm. So then I would ask you, who is it unfair to? Because Luca's expectations are, yes, I expect to be the best. That's a good question. So if you if you just kind of look at the like uh, when the ringer somebody comes in and does the oral history of Rick speaking publicly about Luca mm. around the trade deadline a little bit after it last year. There was a shift in the way Rick started talking about Luka. And then I think the uh, media day quotes, it was very, very evident. I was shocked. The way Rick was talking about him is like, all right, let's go ahead and start talking about him like he's one of the three or four best offensive players in the league. Mm. It's okay to start doing that because he's going to deliver like that. Now, one of the phrases I use when I talk about this stuff is I always say, you know, some will say, well, who's the greatest? Well, this guy's better than this guy. And then they start arguing about it. And it's exhausting because it's like, man, you're splitting hairs of greatness. Mm -hmm. If you're that level, then what are we arguing about? The rest of it is context. The rest of it is context. If you're even in the conversation in the first place, you're starting to split hairs of greatness. And there's no point in that. The rest of it is who's their teammates. What was the health like? All these things that they can't control. And so... Who's at the very top? You have the young top, and then you have the veteran top, right? Mm -hmm. In other words, a GM isn't going to take LeBron right now because LeBron's 34, 35 with all those miles. He's the 11th oldest player in the NBA. LeBron is? Yeah. That's insane. And I bet he's played the most minutes or at least top three. By far. Uh, So a GM's not going to take the older guy. But as you saw Friday night, LeBron is still... Arguably the best player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like, we can, uh, no, I think it's uh, Harden, right? Okay, whatever. Let's put him out on the floor, and one guy's going to win a championship, and the other guy's going to be runner up, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're splitting hairs of greatness. And the reason I'm saying it like this is because I think it's okay to put luca in the conversation with the Greek freak, Anthony Davis, uh, Harden, Westbrook, uh, LeBron, whoever you want to throw in there, do it. Because what he's showing you every single night is he belongs in the conversation.
0: Yeah. So last year, let's rewind one year. Uh, Lucas' first seven games were pretty good, right? After the game in San Antonio, that was, was the big game, game six right? Six seven, yeah. He yeah. scored thirty points. Like Pop was double-teaming him in his sixth game as a pro, right? And uh, at that point, he was averaging twenty-six and four, which is like hallowed ground mm-hmm. if you're a uh, if you're if you're, if you're a, a, baby, a rookie, yeah. If you're a nineteen-year-old baby, like Jordan Bird. And then Tyreek Evans. Right. And so I could see why whenever Rick was asked about Luka all year last year, he was like, look, slow down. Like, we got a long way to go. He had one good game. Like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Because he's trying to manage expectations for Luka. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, he realizes that if Luka goes on, like, a one- or two-month bad stretch, then all of a sudden he's, like, that looks like a joke, right? Right. He's heaping praise on him. And also, he's trying to protect his other players, guys like Barnes, Matthews, DeAndre, Dennis. Sure. You don't want to talk up this one guy who's, like, brand new to the league and sort of alienate him from everybody else. Right. Right. Uh, But, I mean, that's changed now. It's changed now.
1: And, you know, it's okay. It's okay uh, for Rick to say he's better than I thought he was going to be. That's okay. That's not offensive. To to have expectations that Luca was going to be this excellent, this fast, I think is – I mean, there's a few people maybe, like maybe his dad or something, maybe his mom, (laughs) maybe Luca. But the level at which he's playing at far exceeds what anybody's realistic expectations for anybody could or should have been.
0: Yeah, I mean, to put it kind of in context, now off the top of my head, I don't know LeBron's career numbers, like I do Dirks, for example, Mm -hmm. but it took LeBron like three or four years to put up this type of production. And now, he came up in a different era, fewer possessions, slower pace, generally less offense, fewer threes and all this stuff. So, Luca is kind of, he's benefiting from the way that the game has changed right in the last five, ten years, but... There's no debating. I mean, you put him on the floor with guys who can shoot and, more importantly, guys who know how to play. Right. Right? It's not just what what are you good at. It is do you know where to be? Yeah, we'll right? get do to it. Do you know how to get open? Do you know how to roll? Do you know how, how to play at different speeds? All these things. If you put Luka on the floor with four guys who know how to do that, then he's going to put up numbers like this where he's going to get a triple-double in the third quarter.
1: Absolutely. You're right. And this is the other thing. Uh, you remember last year when it was misinterpreted when he said the NBA was easier? Yeah. So... People freaked out. What he's talking about is, and I would compare it to Zion. Like, I think we'll see what happens with him physically. I think Zion's going to be a special NBA player. Not that it's not some unique player, right? He's number one pick. But I've heard people, some people say, well, he can't shoot. and He can't do this. And then they're, they're showing me a Duke game. So I turned on a Duke game, and I see Duke, by the way, was a bad sh- three-point shooting team. And I see Zion catch the ball 19 feet from the basket, and there's three guys flooding the strong side like you want to just weave in out of three guys and just dunk but what happens in the preseason when he gets to New Orleans oh He's on the floor with other professionals that you have to defend. And suddenly all these lanes are wide open, and he's putting up 25 a night in preseason or whatever. When great players play with other great players, the game is easier on them. More importantly, in a good system. Yeah, in a good system as well. That highlights their strengths. That highlights their strengths. And so that's what Luca was saying. He's saying the NBA game better suits my strengths, and playing with better players better suits my strengths. Well, the players they have now – are a lot better than the players they had last year, mm. uh, especially after the trade deadline when all these starts. It's a better mesh of. It's a better, better mix of, of, of right, and so and it's funny that we keep saying right because we'll get to Delon Wright in a minute because yeah. that guy can play by He's the awesome. way, but so what happens is is Luca's excellence is then exacerbated. Because he's around guys that can play. And and it was a different era. But if you go and you look at and, – and we keep coming back to, to Rick and how he feels about Larry Bird, right? Mm. If you go back and look at the teams that Larry Bird and Magic Johnson played, are, played on, oh, my God, it's littered with Hall of Famers. Mm. It is littered with Hall of Famers. Those guys are going to be incredible in any scenario because they're incredible players. But – the best team of all time in some people's minds. Some people think it's the 86 Celtics when they're bringing Bill Walton off the bench, off the bench, off the bench the guy was a finals MVP, right? One of the, and some people say Bill Walton's the single greatest college player of all time. Mm. A lot of people do believe that. So anyways, we're throwing all this context out to, to kind of underscore the fact that everyone sees it now. And, and so it's like, it's okay to talk about him like that because it's okay to have those expectations because those are the expectations he has of himself. Those are the expectations his teammates have of him, and he's delivering every single night. And if you don't want us to tell you you don't want to hear it from Rick because we hear it from Rick 82
0: times per year plus all their practice, let other players say good things about you. And now we're used to this. Remember, during Dennis's rookie year, everyone would ask the opposing point guard, and every team has a star point guard, it seems like. And they would always say, like, he's going to be really good, Mm -hmm. right? And they were saying the thing about Luca last year, too, the same exact thing. He's going to be good. Like, he will be very good one day. The Draymond comments were the ones
1: last year where I was like, whoa, Draymond's giving him love? Yeah, I mean,
0: they're saying really good things about him, but it's it's shifted now. It's not he will be good. It's that he is very good. Like, Kevin Love last night gave some really, really good quotes about everybody. Uh, He started off by saying kind of the same thing. I really think is the future of this league, right? So he will be very, now that's very high praise, yeah. right? He's the future, but again, that's about future. But he's
1: reinvented it, basketball. But
0: then it's shifted to right now. Mm-hmm. He's taken, this is, a, this is a quote given to uh, Cleveland.com, quote, he's taken it to a whole new level. Man, that's the most quiet 29, 15, and 14 I've ever seen in my life it just goes to show you how impressive he is. Nothing phases him. Nothing speeds him up. His shot has gotten better. He's pretty much a magician. Now, if you want something less artful but maybe more impactful and definitely higher praise coming from one of the very best players of all time, just watch the ESPN video of LeBron telling Luca, you're a bad m effort I mean, <laughs> that is, whenever it's those guys, yeah. all-stars, Hall of yeah. Famers, LeBron, who's maybe the GOAT, right. telling you that you are... You're next, right? Like that is whenever it it that, goes to to it reaches a an apex, and that's what those
1: guys want. Mm. They want their their peers, the top of their peer group, to recognize them as their equals. That's what they want. Yeah, that means more to them than whatever their families telling them, whatever we're saying, whatever coaches are saying, whatever's happening on the broadcast. They want LeBron or James Harden or someone like that to walk up and go. Hey, you could see it in Luca's face, man. After yep. LeBron said it, that was like the happiest
0: moment of his life. Yeah, because watching hero. this guy, right? I mean, he, that would be like if Dirk came up to you and was like, "Dude, you're the best on air personality." I would have in melted
1: into just a puddle of just icy tears. I just would have been, if, been.
0: whenever I tell you that all the time, it just kind of bounces off you. I'm like, like well, "No,
1: who are you? Or are you the, you're the guy I do the podcast I mean, with?" Yeah, and I'm just like, well, "Man, yeah, I mean, I am." But uh, it means a lot to it me. It does. Bob. Oh, it means well, a lot. Yes. Thank you. Yes. But
0: uh, yeah, dude, when you get Kevin Love champion, multi-time All-Star, All-NBA player, uh, who still has it, by the way. Dang. He's good. good, God, his first quarter was phenomenal. He was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then LeBron, who is, like you said, the best. I mean, he does not – he doesn't say that to anybody. Right. He never says that to anybody, except for guys like who beat him in the finals.
1: So do you you think if they took, uh, you know, just whatever measure you want to use, the top 100 players in the NBA, and they all had to vote on a top 10 and leave themselves out of it, do you think they vote Luke in the top 10? Who – uh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean,
0: if we go back to like SI's preseason rankings, I think Luka was like 20 to 30, somewhere in there. Right. Mixed in with guys like Donovan Mitchell, uh, Rudy I, Gobert. I love Donovan Devin Mitchell. Booker. There's
1: not one guy in the league that thinks Donovan Mitchell yeah, no, better I, than Luka. I
0: agree. I agree. I think and that, I love Donovan Mitchell. I think Mitchell. he's transcended that. Yeah. So you're getting into the, the place now where it's LeBron, Harden, KD, Kyrie, Russ. Uh, Giannis, if I hadn't already said Giannis, uh, Dame. Can I, get, I mean, can
1: I give a hot sports opinion? Yeah, I bet if we all interviewed those guys, they would rather play with Luca than Russ.
0: Rather and play with, or but that doesn't mean. I know, I, know. Better, but I agree. And, and here, I, I hear a lot of fan opinions. I mean, that's, a, that's a hot take, but I'm willing to back it up, man. I, I
1: hear a lot of fan opinions about Russell Westbrook that I think are way wrong, mm. because if you like, I, I've said this many times. One of the real profound experiences for me is watching Russell Westbrook play and then looking over and just looking at Harp's face. And you know what I think I read on Harp's face? Man, that would have been a tough cover for me. Yeah. And Harp was an elite defensive player. You can tell that, especially you sitting courtside.
0: I know you mentioned sitting on the baseline to watch LeBron. And watching LeBron come toward you is like standing on a train track. Yeah. But being floor level to watch Russ is one of the most insane experiences of my life watching basketball. I mean, he is a maniac. It's and truly never stops.
1: Yeah, it's truly a guy shot out of a cannon. Yeah. Like with just unbelievable force and power. And so I remember talking to an NBA coach about the thunder when Durant was still there. And I was talking about defending Durant and he's like, we focus on Russ first, foremost, and second. Like you have to stop Russ. You know, you hear the term build a wall all the time and mm-hmm. what does that mean? Well, you know, in transition you use a line of bodies to stop the downhill progress. Cause if you don't, you're you're toast. And so this, I'm having this conversation. We're talking about defensive philosophy, and all they're talking about is Russ. This is when Durant was on the team, and Durant had won an MVP. Scoring 30 a game easy. Right. And it's like, no, no, you don't, You got to stop Russ. Russ is what you stop first. If you don't stop Russ first, the game's over. Mm. And so I'm saying that with a high degree of reverence. And all those dudes all respect how hard he plays. They all respect how hard he plays. Like the guy never quits. Watch him go after an offensive rebound. I mean, it's- he is a. F- I, I know everyone makes fun of Stephen
0: Adams for doing the whole blockout thing. Russ gets more contested rebounds than any guard I've ever seen
1: in it's my life. It's amazing. I mean, he is incredible. The only other guy, and, I, and my memory is a little faulty, there's a guy that played. In fact, he was a Maverick named Fat Lever, but when we oh, got okay, him, yeah, yeah, his yeah. knee was toast by the time we got him. He was kind of a triple-double king there. Dude, in the 80s, he was, and he's like 6'3 or 6'4, and he was a rebounding monster. Like, I want to say he went for seven a night one year. Wow. Six or seven a night. Yeah, J-Kid. J-Kid, kind of phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're talking about with, mm. with Russ. So, yes. I'm saying all that with a high degree of reverence. I really am. I respect and admire Russell Westbrook.
0: But, but what's Lucas going on? Yeah.
1: what's going on with Le- Houston right Lucas, now. Have, you, have you seen Rockets?
0: They were down last night at the end of the first quarter in Miami. Forty six to fourteen. I heard they contracted the franchise at halftime. <laughs>
1: are the Rockets still a team?
0: So they're three and three. They kinda have a little bit of a friendly schedule coming up too. So uh we'll see what it's what it's like for them. But yeah, I mean, right now, if you're painting the playoff picture, the Mavs are I think third or fourth or something in there. Um, Houston and Portland are on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. and I think everybody else. Uh, I mean, like teams like Sacramento, Memphis. Um, I believe the Warriors are in there, and mm-hmm. New Orleans. I think Warriors. Once have Zion problems. went down, once Steph went down, it's like yeah. all right. You know, they, they they might not make the playoffs, or it's right. kind of tough sledding for them. But right now, the two teams on the outside that I think are gonna find their way in are Portland and Houston, uh-huh. which means two teams fall out. Now, Phoenix, I think, is a candidate for that. And then if you're around the league, you're probably thinking, well, the Mavs are probably a candidate for that. Well, but you know who I else you're thinking? I personally don't think that, but we'll see. Who's
1: ahead of the Mavericks in the standings right now? Did you have Minnesota making the playoffs? Oh no, no, I didn't. even They've think lost about one that. game, I think. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, they they beat the Wizards by 27, I think,
1: without Car- that. Carl Anthony Towns. By the way, is just dancing. Oh, and Wiggins has had some really phenomenal yeah, games. Yeah, Wiggins had, but Towns um, is like. Lucas entered the MVP
0: conversation, so was Towns. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you could see that coming from the time he was a rookie. Dude, Towns he was is so incredible. good. incredible. He was so good. To think that Towns and Devin Booker played on the same college team, and Booker came off the bench, and Towns only played 20 minutes a game, is like, they still almost won the championship and went undefeated. But it's dude, like, how, how do you do that?
1: Well, what about this? Boogie, Eric Bledsoe, and John Wall were on a team that didn't make the Final Four. Yeah,
0: yeah. Didn't make the Final Four? But, but dude. Towns Booker, mm-hmm. you had Booker coming off the bench for the Harrison brothers and Trey Lyles,
1: like, and and Bu- and Booker was cl- was a late bloomer, but well, that even he was real young. Like yeah. Booker was younger was like than everybody else. Yeah, think. yeah, yeah. So it's kind of hard to say he was a late bloomer when he's still just a baby, right? Was yeah. he 22 or 21 or whatever? He yeah, is?
0: something like that. Something like that. By the way, do you know Luca is? Uh, I wish I had those age rankings. I had some fun with that stuff, but there's like several rookies that are older than Luca right now, and it's like. The hell okay yeah. <laughs> I mean, insane uh okay luca's not the only player on the Mavs. they got 14 others plus two two-way players mm-hmm. uh but one of the other ones that are very prominent both for his height and for his otherworldly abilities chris Aps porzingis last night kind of a quiet 18.9 rebound six block performance which is crazy to say yeah but uh it still kind of feels like he's like getting his sea legs mm-hmm. right and he's yeah. sort of figuring out where he's going to fit in and like When to roll, when to pop, when to post, when to call for it, when to rescreen? all this stuff. Like, they're clearly still working all this stuff out, especially in crunch time. Mm -hmm. And yet here we are, six games into his uh, first year in first game action in two years, uh, averaging, let's go back to the per 100 possessions, 30 points, 12 rebounds, and four blocks per 100 possessions. The only other players in the last 15 years to do that are AD and Tim Duncan. (laughs) And that's him, like, coming back from injury. Right. Uh not really knowing what's going on
1: yeah and i probably man i probably you know you talk about hyping too soon i didn't really give proper respect to the comeback time with him Mm. like i just acted like he was going to hit the ground running and what we've seen is some really high moments and then we've seen some moments of him trying to figure it out um and so i i can't remember if we talked about this on the pod last week but man in about two weeks from now i think people are gonna be like damn all right because what you're seeing now is really good, but it's going. That's that's the most exciting thing to me about this team is that the Porzingis dynamic it has room to get way, way better. Absolutely, and that's Absolutely. what's really, really intriguing.
0: Yeah, I mean, think about it like this, right? It's been 20 months since he played. Uh, I was just washing my hands a few minutes ago, and it was a brand new soap dispenser, and brand new. Looks beautiful, you know, really bulky. Definitely spent some time in the weight room this summer. This this soap was really, really mean some looking. Stout soap. Yeah. All right. And uh, I went to go, you know, retrieve some of the soap, uh, dispense it from the from the dispenser as you do, and I had to kind of push it like four times to get the soap. Give it to a couple pumps. Out. Yeah, because right. it needed to, the little tube needed to load but up. There was soap, air you know? in there. Yeah. yeah, there's air. There's just some stuff you got. Yeah, there's old crusty soap from the previous dispenser. Mm-hmm, like, right. and then all of a sudden, once I'm on like my fifth pump, I'm starting to get kind of annoyed. Just the most beautiful. Oh. Uh, uh, flowing sort of uh, soap just came cascading right out of that dispenser. It was, it was lovely, and my hands are so clean and they smell so refreshing right now. I just want to smell do, your I'm own hand. Do this well, this is
1: happening on video. I want to know that you. I hope so. Okay. Um, I didn't anticipate that metaphor, but I think it's great. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And Thank you. I think this is uh, an inside look into the attention to detail that this man pays to every facet of life yep. to be able to see the special layers of nuance and something as banal as putting soap in your hands. I think you're seeing the magic of Bob. Mm. This is the magic of you, Thank you that you would notice all these details and then work it into the basketball world. Yep. And I appreciate that about you. Thank, Thank you. you for I, sharing. I, re- I
0: really do appreciate that. Um, but back to the main point. Yep. Uh, soap. Just kidding. Uh-huh. Uh, KP. Yep. He's like, Fourth quarter of the Lakers game, for example, there was a real hot take argument going on between some local media members on uh, the internet.
1: Guys that cover football?
0: Yeah. Yeah. After that game saying, man, he kind of disappeared tonight, didn't he? And, sure, I don't know what his stat line was in the fourth quarter, but it wasn't very good. I know that. He missed some shots, think he had a turnover, whatever. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Uh, Someone said, yeah, you know, AD covers KP, but KP is ducking guarding AD. Clearly not a tough player. All that stuff. Sure. Get your takes out while you can.
1: Right. Because, by the way, there's just all these guys that do a good job of covering Anthony Davis. I mean, there's so many of them in the league. For sure. Yeah. No, it's awesome. At least 50 guys that can shut him down. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And, by the way, just to underscore your point, LeBron had the most ridiculous stat line ever, and I left that game going, God, Anthony Davis is unguardable. Yeah, dude. Isn't he unguardable? He's unguardable.
0: I mean, Dwight Powell, like – Dwight on film is going to look silly because AD scored on him like eight times in a row. Mm-hmm. But he's hitting fadeaways, he's hitting hook shots, runners like 15-foot fifteen, foot, 15 yeah. foot jumpers that you you have to live with right now. You can't double-team him and nope. get killed for a three. But anyway, uh, yeah, that one game, that one five-minute stretch, KP wasn't very good. Now, I will say – So what, cut him? Is yeah, that, is, they should cut him yeah, for sure. Okay. But especially early in the season, teams that are new don't usually do well in the clutch. So teams that have a lot of new guys, mm-hmm. right – uh, they don't perform as well in the clutch as, say, more established teams. Like, for example, this is very small sample size theater, but early last week it was teams like Denver and Portland that were very good in the clutch. Utah, good right. in the clutch. And then teams like the Mavs that weren't as good in the clutch, on offense at least. Uh, you don't really run set plays in the clutch. A lot of it is ISO or, mm-hmm. like, high pick and roll, mm-hmm. where it is one guy imposing his will on the other. Mm-hmm. And I think KP's a little rusty in that regard. Mm-hmm. As to be expected, so I would assume, I would imagine, I'm very, very confident that that will get a lot better. Yeah. Also, last night I will say they don't win that game unless he goes ballistic. Like in the third quarter, he just went nuts. He went nuts. Four shots, hit a bunch of threes. Yeah. Uh, Next thing you know, they're like just they're they're killing the Cavs because KP hit four threes and blocked six shots. I mean, it's not he he was not like a a passenger.
1: So my buddy Ben Rogers, he's at Ben Rogers on the Twitter. uh, I've heard of that guy that I do the radio show with. He he had this thing that he used to talk about. He coined it, uh, and he was used to talk about Rangers baseball, which 162 games. Mm. But people would overreact to something in May, and he would go, man, if you're going to watch Texas Rangers baseball, don't watch it wearing your Cowboys goggles. Mm. Like, this isn't football where one game is one-sixteenth of the season. You know, And and don't overreact to, like, a one- or two-game stretch in baseball. Same thing applies to basketball. Like, if you're going to have some resounding take about Porzingis after, at that point, five games after being off for 20 months, I mean, really? Yeah, you really need to tap the you, brakes. You, it's you need just to Just hold up a mirror for five seconds and go, whoops, my bad. Yeah. I mean, dude. All five these games are- in the
0: NBA season is one game in the NFL. That's the equivalent. And KP, yes. after five games, was like 13th in the league in scoring. So you really need to kind of, right, you know, maybe, maybe sit
1: this one out. I th- sit this one out. Or as the great Michael Young would say, take a lap. Yeah. Just take a lap. Hey, the GOAT. The GOAT. Michael Young. <laughs> Love you, Michael. Uh, so KP, good. Now, one thing that I've
0: seen on the internet mm-hmm. is that, uh, man, I wish KP would get the ball more. Seems like he's open. Seems like guys are missing him or just not passing him. Luke is taking a lot of shots. Well, Luca's taken I think nine more shots than KP this season, so it's not many more. Uh, he's only played nine more minutes. Excuse me, he's taken thirteen more shots okay. than KP. And uh, Doncic leads the team in front court touches. So that's court, uh, touches that happen on your side of half court. Yep. Uh, he leads the team in front-court touches per game at 37.
1: Didn't he lead the NBA post-All-Star break in that uh, last and year? He's 95 it. a game yeah, or something Yeah, so, so overall
0: touches. He led yeah. it last year, and he's leading it again this okay. year. But front-court touches. Okay. So if he passes it, right. he gets it back 37 times. That leads the team. Number two on the team is Kristaps Porzingis at 36. So he touches the ball a lot. Yeah. Uh, only, in fact, one fewer time per game than Doncic on the playmaking side of the floor. How about so that?
1: Really just kind of, again, just... See, the other thing, too, is don't hyper-focus on one player because my response to that would be, so you think the offense is dysfunctional? Mm. Like, why? instead of focusing on what one player is or isn't doing, look at the offense as a whole. And I would say the offense as a whole has been pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now KP is basically open on every play because he's seven foot three three. and he's spotting up 30 feet from the basket. So, sure... He
1: could take seventy shots per game, and so could Luca, and the way, and so sp-
0: could Dwight Powell, and so yeah. could literally anybody
1: else on the team. And the way spacing works is sometimes you don't touch the ball and you have a huge impact on the play. Mm. That's a reality of of half court basketball. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So. And uh, another thing is like he's he's not setting too many picks for Luca, and whenever he does, he's popping, not rolling. Mm-hmm. But that's because they got guys like Dwight and Maxi that are just springy that are going to launch themselves toward the basket. Right. And I'm just not sure that you want KP to do that. It's mm-hmm. not really like Maybe more than once or twice per game. The times yeah. that he does it is cool, but if you do that like 30 times per game, then it's really tough to play 35 minutes in an NBA game whenever you're doing that right. constantly. I mean, right. it's just it's unreasonable. And plus, three points is more than two. And uh, even though he's kind of shaking off the cobwebs, he's still shooting 39% on threes this season. So oh, I didn't realize he had that. gotten that high. Yeah. Well, last night he was I think four for six. So okay. Yeah. Definitely yep. helped. Yep. 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 But uh, yeah. No, he good. They
1: good. Yeah. I think my expectations going into the year was, man, if he hits 40% of his threes, Lord have mercy. Mm. It's just going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's, so proba- it's we We should course. probably talk about how great. And So, I've, I've loved Seth starting these games, mm. and I love Seth's impact on the floor, and they're still, you know, feeling out all these different combinations and things, and it's situational. And, I mean, last night, Cleveland rolled out a small backcourt, so we rolled out Jalen and Seth. Mm. Um but I, I, I love the way the, – you mentioned it earlier. You said balance or mesh, the way these guys' skill sets you know, mesh with one another. I, I'm just so optimistic about where the thing is going.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Seth is hitting 42% of his threes. It's pretty good. I mean, that's what he does for his career. Pretty good. Like, that's, And I, I think one thing that kind of – I think he spent more time on the ball whenever he was here the first time. Right. 2016-17. Uh, he was kind of their point guard for like mm-hmm. a lot of the season. This year, obviously not so much. But one thing that really stands out to me, if you if you just, like, watch him whenever he's on the floor, which I know is tough to do because you always want to watch Luca and right. all those, right. if you just stare at Seth, he never just, like, stands still. Mm-hmm. He'll move, even if it's just one or two steps, he moves just enough to create a passing lane or mm-hmm. to, like, maybe his defender kind of turns their head a bit, and so he takes, like, a hop to the right, so whenever he looks back he's not there anymore. Right. I mean, he's so good at getting himself open without having to do, like, What his brother does which is run off 30 screens and now steph can do that too and him running off those screens obviously creates chaos but seth while lucas doing his dance on one side of the floor is so good at just finding little tiny cracks and getting wide open and then obviously once he catches the ball he's money
1: yeah you don't want to overdo it because you do have the spacing element one of the things they teach you off the ball is to constantly try to create those angles to where you know that the person with the ball can actually see you Uh, Your sight line. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know that if you can see them and make eye contact with them, they obviously have the ability to see you. And so there's things like the bailout spot, which a guy will just throw to trusting that you've made the right decision. But what you're talking about with what Seth is doing is constantly recreating that angle as the action happens so that. I mean, we've talked about this. Luca going to find you. Yeah, absolutely. Luca going to find you.
0: Mm-hmm. And if he's constantly moving, right, so either his defender will be looking at Luca, which means st- uh, Seth's like one or two steps will get him wide open, or his defender will learn after Seth has made like three threes in a row, man, i got to start paying attention to him. Right. And then all of a sudden that's one fewer defender for Luca to have to worry about. Yep. And then that means that whenever Dwight is rolling to the rim, instead of getting tagged by a six-five guy, he's just got a plain alley, yep. and Luca can just hit him with the lob. I mean, all of this stuff – has sort of like repercussions, I guess, to bring it back to football, which basketball and football have almost nothing in common. (laughs) But once you do one thing once, then NBA coaches and their players are smart enough to realize, like, to recalibrate and kind of make sure it doesn't happen again. Mm -hmm. But in in the NBA, especially the guy that we'll get to in a minute, he's got so many counters for everything, where if you start paying attention too much to Seth, you're going to give up something else. Well, if you give up something else, then Seth's going to burn you again. I mean, they have so many sort of like – Plan B's, mm-hmm. I guess, on every single play. Yeah. And it helps that the guy that has the ball can average 30 points per game, too. Right, I mean, it's right. just – it's
1: all so – it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I do want to – one concept between football and basketball that are very identical is you try to get dynamic – I'll just say athletes, right? Mm. Try to get dynamic playmakers in space. You do it in basketball constantly. You try to create space for that player to operate. And then in football, if you have – Kamara, how can I put him out there in space to where he can operate and use his dynamicism to his advantage? Mm. Uh, so even though the sports are wildly different, that is a concept that you see, right? Hey, I've got this incredible dynamic playmaker in Luka. How can I get it to where there's a player on him that's a bad matchup because then he's going to have all this space to operate? Mm. So I, I like those. I think those are similar concepts. You have
0: a lot of options. You can, set, you can use a screen. Uh, from either the seven foot three, three-point shooter or for the six foot ten rim runner, or you can just let Luca go one-on-one. Yep. I mean, they have so many options. All the options. So many options.
1: So many rooms for activities.
0: Other guys that have absolutely. Other guys that have kind of filled in the cracks. Dorian Finney Smith, right? We hear Rick always talk about NBA skills. What is your NBA skill? What mm-hmm. can you do that is better than like everybody else right or that is at least can get you into the league you only need to do one or two things really well in this league right we know dorian defends guys really well one-on-one but he's also a very good offensive rebounder Mm -hmm. to the tune of 10th most in the entire league is that right yeah so he leads the team 2.7 offensive rebounds per game uh is creating a lot of second chances the mavs in general really are it's Dorian, Boban, KP's getting some, Dwight Powell always gets some, Maxi, mm-hmm. uh, DeLon Wright. I don't know if he gets credited for these, but there's been a few times this season where the other guy will get the rebound and Wright will just poke it out of his hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're so good at creating second chances for themselves, and if you give them second chances, they're going to score. Yeah. Uh, so that's one thing that's really stood out to me, too. And then also, uh, here's your small sample size theater. Mm-hmm. Tim Hardaway, 7 of 11 on wide open threes this year. All right. But he's only 3 of 22 on all others. Well, take the open ones. Yeah, yeah. So it stands to reason that he probably won't shoot 70% on wide open threes, but he also isn't going to continue shooting like 11% on the ones where he's being... Lightly guarded. So I think it will kind of even out. Yeah. But uh, that's really stood out to me. And then uh, Boban is second on the team in plus minus. He's plus 34 for the season in just 26 minutes.
1: So I think think Tim Hardaway Jr. had a dad that could give him really good advice about the NBA. Mm -hmm. But I'd like for my dad to give Tim Hardaway Jr. the advice he gave to me. I think I was like 12. I'm talking to my dad and I'm like, any coach? And I was like, all right, so what's one of the things I can do to free myself up for a shot when I got the ball? And he goes, well, just pass it. Yeah. Why do you have to take a shot? Mm. Why are you Why are you working so hard to take a contestant? Pass it. Mm. Pass the ball and move. Yeah. It's an easy game. Yeah.
0: When you pass the ball and move. Now I will say, I mean, a lot of his shots have been late clock, right? They've, of course, they've had. I'm I am surprised I think that they're not rated higher in pace or that they're they're not playing faster. They're they're generally playing pretty slow, especially when the opponent makes a shot. Okay, and they're also a lot of plays.
1: Yeah, you texted me a great stat during mm-hmm. the yep. Denver game, the pace 21 stuff, and we've talked about a lot on this. Uh, but also, so they played Denver, which is a slow pace team. Yep. Denver's taking the air out of the ball. I'm trying to think of some of the other. Now Portland's going to push.
0: The Lakers play very
1: slow. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to have an impact on Portland, your
0: own. You, Portland Journal plays pretty slow, too. Yeah. I mean, the Pelicans, of course, are like end-to-end, but Tim, I th- I'm pretty sure Tim was really good in that game. Uh, uh, yes. Maybe not. I don't remember. Uh, that's I'm, like a, a whole week ago. How am I supposed who to Who could remember that? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they – look, I think they're kind of figuring out their rhythm, right? And Tim so far has been – I feel like he's been much better off the bench than he would have been as a starter. Absolutely. Um, I feel like he's been very aggressive. Uh, he's missed some makeable shots. Like last night, for example, in Cleveland, I th- he missed a couple layups right at when he checked in that mm-hmm. those are going to go. I mean, they as a team have not been very good at layups this year. Yeah, what is the I'm deal surprised. on that? I don't know. They're just missing
1: a lot of bunnies. Against the Lakers, it felt like they missed like six or eight. I mean, it was it's Wait, bizarre. What about that – and it happened right in front of me But that hilarious moment early in the first quarter where Maxi was six feet from the basket and had no idea what to do. He was so wide <laughs> yeah. open. So he did a fake – He did a fake – should I do a Dirk fadeaway or do I – what do I do here? (laughs) And then I could see my sideline after you could see the wheels turning and then the the bad decision coming. And then, like, 20 feet behind him, I saw Luca go, (laughs) It's like, Max. Uh, But that's a weird phenomenon in the NBA to be six feet from the basket uncontested. You know – like, somewhere Anthony Davis is somewhere, and, and JaVale McGee terrified. is. Like, <laughs> I don't want to become a meme. Right. Don't get <laughs> memed. <You
0: know? laughs> don't send, don't feed me to the teens. Same thing happened last night to Dwight. Uh-huh. I mean, it was a fast break oh he had a bad he flip. got it. He, no, he got the ball, like, all alone going to the basket, went for a reverse layup and just missed sent it, it off the backboard. Yeah, I mean, it was bad. It. He missed it by three feet, and it was a one-foot shot. Yeah. So there's going to be bloopers. Yeah. There, there will definitely be bloopers. But, uh, yeah, all in all, I think everyone is still kind of feeling it out. Uh, but, yeah, Tim being 7'11 on wide open threes, I mean, his shots look good, too, like mm-hmm. confident whenever he, he has the time and has the space. Same for Luka. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they're creating a lot of open looks, mm-hmm. and they're making a lot of them. Which yes. Is good. Um, okay. I want to uh, – <laughs> do you want to take your victory lap first, or should we talk about who you shouldn't be sleeping on?
1: Uh, let's, uh, let's shout out to the friends over at, uh, at Bed Gear.
0: Okay. So I feel like throughout this entire run, Skin – Talked about Luca a lot. Mm -hmm. KP obviously has been top of mind. We've been giving a lot of shine to the players, which is what you should do. It's a player's league, right? I like where you're going You could be the best coach in the world, but if you don't have the players, you're not going to win games. Right. But if you do have the players Mm -hmm. and you're a really good tactician, then uh, you can make some beautiful, beautiful music. And lo and behold, I checked... The NBA offense rankings last night after the Mavs beat the Cavs 131-111 and saw that they're the number one offense in the NBA. Oh, I didn't realize that. They're the number one offense. I, I figured
1: they were top five, but now, I didn't realize
0: they were number one. After the Clippers game last night, the Clippers had been number two by like half a point. Mm-hmm. The Mavs are now the number one offense in the league by a point. How about that? Oh, my God. That just, is that's significant. A lot. Yeah. That's a lot. and wow. now This is points per 100 possessions, not points per game. That's different. Mm-hmm. Points per 100 possessions – how many points do you score whenever you have the ball mm-hmm. on an average possession, right? They're scoring 113.1 points per 100 possessions. That's which great. Is a lot. That's that would have been top five last season. Whenever KD was still in the warriors and the league was out of whack. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is still with KP playing his first basketball in two years. This is with Luca taking on somehow an even bigger workload than he had last year. This is with mixing in new guys: DeLon Wright, Seth Curry, Boban. Uh, Maxi was a starter for a while. You were playing without Dwight Powell, who's a walking bucket. Thj's coming off the bench for the first time. A mm-hmm. lot of people are doing new things, and yet still they're number one. And so, friends watching, friends listening, don't sleep on this man. Don't sleep oh, on Yoda. On Rick Carlisle. <laughs> A.K.A. Ah! Coaching Yoda. That's incredible. Yeah, set that, that thing that right there. there. That's I'll great. I'll kind of move
1: out of the way. I'll just a slide bit. Your, your stool over there.
0: This guy took so much heat on the internet the last few years. Oh my God, because they're the Mavs are losing close games. Mm-hmm. Luca wasn't getting the ball enough. Uh, first off, Dennis wasn't getting the ball enough. Why is Wes getting so many shots and all this stuff? And now all of a sudden, it's like. Man, Luke is the best player in the league. Well, a lot of other things changed around this team, and uh, this has been the guy that's kind of been guiding them through it.
1: Really, really good article at the beginning of the season. Brad Townsend went in on flow offense. Oh, yeah, that was And the history of flow and why it matters and like, hey, some of those principles are going to be coming back. Yeah, because they got sure. the personnel to do it. Yeah, this
0: is this is Rick's dream offensive system, basically that we're seeing. Do right you know
1: now. what is uh, what is a misnomer about Rick Carlisle that people just they they think that this is the case, but it's not. It's a, a fake truism, a yeah. falsism. Is that he's inflexible? Ooh, and he's gonna not with not like from a yoga standpoint, but from a philosophy standpoint, or from a Yoda standpoint. So when he got here, this was like they had Josh Howard and Jay Kidd and all this stuff. And he in training camp is like, well, we're going to run a bunch of Princeton stuff, Mm -hmm. which is motion offense, a lot of high post passing and stuff. And then he's like, I don't have the guys for this. So they just like reverse field mid uh, preseason. And it's like, you know, you have some philosophies and things you want to do, but if you can't do them, he's got a million tricks in the bag. Mm. And so when you have a full complement of guys, then you can like utilize all the tricks Boy, he's and that's, been,
0: that's great. He's been so flexible. I mean, let's go back to the last year they, they made the playoffs, 2015-16. He's rolling in this season with Dirk at age, I think, 38. Mm-hmm. Zaza Pachulia was your starting center. And then you had D. Will, who was clearly kind of toward the end of his career. He right. played one season after that one uh, as your starting point guard. I'm just going to slide over. I think that's a I good love call. seeing myself on the monitor over there. And uh, I know mm-hmm. I'm hidden. But... uh Anyway, you had Wes playing two, and then your small forward that year was Parsons, who was coming off a knee injury. Mm -hmm. So this team was overall just very kind of limited athletically. Yeah. Right? And yet they still won 42 games. They didn't necessarily do it with their offense, but what Rick did – when D-Will came in here, was after f- the first few games, they were like pretty good, and then they went on this losing streak, and Rick kind of changed it up a little bit, started running a lot of UCLA stuff for, for D-Will. Mm-hmm. So have D-Will start on the block, then take this pin down screen, come off to the top to the elbow, where all of a sudden, you're manufacturing an alley for him. Mm-hmm. So either this guy's right on his hip, and he can catch it and turn, or he uh, the guy's not on his hip at all, and he can catch it and shoot, right? This very simple stuff. Yeah. But they were never running any of that stuff before D. Will got here. Right. And then once D. Will left... Uh, in 2016, 17, they got Yogi. They stopped running that because Yogi didn't need that type of uh, action. And then Dennis came in, and uh, there was kind of this weird sort of learning curve in the pick and roll, and they didn't necessarily have the personnel to run just pure five-out offense like, the way that they are now. Right. And so they started going back to that same thing with Dennis, where he'd make these catches at the elbow and at the free throw line extended, right. kind of in a little bit more of space where he can catch, make a simple read, and attack. So yeah. They run a lot of motion stuff, but they're running way less of this, like, flex motion Princeton Like, slow down 20-second offense stuff now. Rick is
1: kind of letting them go because they have the personnel to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, those of you that at least played in high school, you probably ran flex. Yeah. Like, every high school team in America runs. It's very scripted, and it's kind of boring, but it works. It works. That's why people do it. That's why people do it, and it's also sort of like a universal language when you get new people that they can easily pick up because they've done that stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of the stuff they've done in different programs and things. But... When you do have the guys that can... You know, the the ultimate goal is to create basketball that people can't sit on defensively. And when you are... You know, that was kind of the point of that Brad article. But, you know, flow offense is more about randomization. I just call it pickup basketball. Mm. Like, this is... If you've you've got a group of people... Wes, whenever he was here, called it random. Random. Yeah. If you play with a group of people that you've played with forever and you know what they all do, it's so easy to play with them. Mm-hmm. Like when you're playing with your friends that you've played with for 20 years and you know what they do, you you know, you instinctively know what works and what's not gonna work and, and it's, it's, it's. I just call it pickup basketball. You're mm-hmm. playing pickup basketball and so you're not out there and everything is not scripted, you make reads and it's about eye contact and you know, doing these actions. Anticipation. At, anticipation. And playing.
0: For 10 years together. Right. But they've only played for six games together. So there will be some ugly, ugly possessions. Yeah, of course. And, like, let me tell you, they have played some really nasty possessions so far. But the end of the year will be different. Well, and for every one bad possession, clearly so far they've had, like, 10 good ones to be the number one offense in the league. And this is competing with the Clippers, who, like, blew the doors off of everybody for the first three or four games. So uh, don't sleep on this guy. Uh, Give him a break, man. And the internet is, internet is a weird place. But I mean, it's full of shouldn't trolls. shouldn't respond to that sort of thing. But right. don't right. sleep on Rick, man. He's taken three years to kind of retool. You get Luca in here, you rebuild the roster a little bit, and all of a sudden, boom, they're off and running. I mean, it is it is beautiful to see. So, uh, skin. <laughs> now it's time for the the grand finale. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Fireworks. So. I want to take you back to this summer. Do you, rem- do you remember this summer? Just think back in your mind. It's, I remember it's me like and you four were months ago. Do me you and
1: you were hanging out at Petacolis when free agency started.
0: Yeah, yeah, we were doing that. That was very fun. I like beer. That was on June 30th or 29th. I don't, sure, I don't remember. The NBA schedules changed and it was annoying. Right. Uh, but a few days before that, mm-hmm. June 19th, 2019, a day that will live in infamy. Yes. Uh, at least for Mavs fans on the internet. Right. I don't think that we can put this up on the blue screen behind us because Kay. we would we would disappear except for my very pale arms. Pasty
1: arms. And uh Pastyarms.com is a terrible website. Your similarly pale arms. Although yeah.
0: slightly more tan. And yeah, just a little bit. Arms. Just make sure you don't pull up your sleeves cuz uh <laughs> content right, yeah. shown. It's a golf course tan. Uh, so you tweeted skin. uh mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Now this is not a trial. This is not Am I on the stand? No, no, you're not. No. It's not a trial. Okay. You're not on the – you're at the table. All right. Um, You don't need to defend yourself. Okay.
1: Quit making me so defensive.
0: The narrative has already – it's already unfolded. It's too late to turn back. All right. You tweeted at 8.42 p.m. on June 19th, 2019, Mm -hmm. quote, so I'm very confident Mav fans are going to be very satisfied with this offseason. Little did you know – that would be the last thing you ever tweeted. Did I die that in your night? Entire life. Did I get eviscerated that night? Because when the moratorium was lifted mm-hmm. on July sixth, mm-hmm. and the Mavs didn't have Kawhi, mm-hmm. they didn't find a way to trade for Giannis. Right. They didn't have who else was free? Kemba. 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 Right. Uh, was Anthony? Who Giannis had his side? mindset on going to one place? Yes uh anthony davis who was traded on draft night but they didn't get they didn't get him they didn't trade for anthony Um, davis they didn't bring mj out of retirement and add him onto the roster anyway all of this is happening in july 6th it's a tough tough day for you Mm -hmm. uh your mentions
1: were a firestorm
0: boy a lot
1: of strong instant
0: opinions you had people saying quote free agency 2019 is a massive loss You had someone saying, you Dallas reporters always seem to give Mavs excuses, just admit that they always fail. Okay. You had someone saying, can we be – Dot dot dot. Really upset. They did nothing to help those guys. They did Meaning nothing. Luke huh? and KP. They did nothing to help them, and they still aren't top ten in the West. Is that right? And then you had someone calling it. Uh, I picture this is a movie poster with just pull quotes. Okay. Uh, Roger Ebert failure. Oh yeah, total failure. <laughs> Roger yeah. Ebert. Total fail. It's like the it's like the producers. Yeah. Now, on July sixth, dare I say they were right because they hadn't signed anybody. But I think the next day, or maybe two days after that, mm-hmm. they got a guy named DeLon Wright. They did. Who? Six games into the season, mm-hmm. so this will certainly hold form. It will remain this way for the end of, until the end of time. It's a huge sample size. Six games into the season, DeLon Wright's skin is number one in the NBA in
1: offensive rating. We signed the number one player of all he time. He is
0: the best player in the NBA. Yes. Number one. Incredible. So, skin. Yes. This is your chance, because it might not be the same tomorrow. Uh, Dunk
1: on all of the haters right now. Go. Here's the ball. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Here's what I would like to say, haters. (laughs) Come on inside, man. Come on. Get in here where the love is, where the good vibes are, where the positivity is. I can feel it. You don't have to have an automatic horrible reaction where you're eating a poop sandwich, (laughs) because... it didn't go your way the second that you because sometimes you can go you can kind of step back and like kind of get outside yourself and look at the whole picture and go oh wait a minute i'm being hypercritical of the guy that delivered dirk and steve nash on the same day oh wait a minute i'm being critical of the guy that when 2006 worked against us totally reconfigured the team and got us back to a championship in 2011. oh wait a minute i'm the guy He's the guy, rather. Not me. I didn't do crap. No, you did. He's the guy that even though they had the fifth pick in the draft, turned it into Luka Doncic and then like nine months later got Kristaps Porzingis. Not bad. So why do you want to spend so much time having instant horrible opinions about someone who has consistently delivered you gold? And this is the guy, which it's on record, wanted to draft Giannis but was overruled. It happens. Every, every team has those things that happen. So, why, 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 why would you immediately have a negative reaction about the team that he's put together? It makes no sense. It's okay if you want to, like, you know, drink your bitter coffee and go full Stephen A at all times. I don't want to be around it. Please do it somewhere else. But why not coffee
0: got to be part of this? I
1: don't know. You're going to be wrong more often than you're gonna be right if you just go to hate land and just start spitting trash because you didn't get Kawhi. The Lakers didn't get Kawhi. Should they contract the franchise? Toronto, should they fold since Kawhi left? Guess what? One team got Kawhi. But what the Mavericks did was they added guys who, by the way, it was a plan. They added guys that they thought would work and we're six games in and they're all working on very affordable contracts. Uh, my favorite part was Monday night when everyone goes, the Mavs aren't doing anything. And then nothing happened in the NBA until Danny Green went to the Lakers, which we talked about that on. Dude, Danny Green chose to play with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Why are you going to be mad about that? Yeah. And he got good money to do it. He got cor- great money
0: to do it. So, but why? do you want to know why he got great money? Because they didn't get the first guy that they wanted.
1: They're right. So was it a failure? No. They got a guy that hit a very important shot Friday night, and the Mavericks didn't get quiet, but they got Seth Curry. It's been great. They got DeLon Wright. It's been great. They signed. They got Boban. They they and all of these are great deals. And then they re-signed very important guys like Dorian and Max to great deals. The, the way that this team is being built has been awesome. And if you're all butt hurt because you didn't get Kawhi, I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't know how to help you. I, I, I think you need to. I think you need to do something else. I really do. I don't think you're cut out. Well,
0: for this. still listen to the show or watch I the show on care. YouTube. No, I, just, no, I don't even No, 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 please do. I
1: worry that you're not cut out for this. Mm-hmm. I really do. You're you're too emotional. You're too high-strung, you don't have enough. You can create good things to make yourself feel better. You don't have to instantly be a toxic jerk. You don't have to. That's a decision that you're making to do that. Don't make that decision because you're not gonna get to enjoy all the other stuff like this four and two team right now. Oh my God. That should be six and oh, that hadn't even scratched the surface of how good they're going to be. That still has flexibility to add guys, and make other moves. It's a great position to be in. It's
0: the number one offense in the NBA.
1: So why were you so hateful and upset on June 30th or whatever? What are you doing? They weren't even going to play games for another four months. Like, why, why rush out with that opinion? When if you look at the track record, the track record's been awesome. So why do you want to doubt the track record and be a hateful troll guy?
0: I wasn't even hateful to you, and I almost feel like I owe you an apology after that beautiful – Beautiful discussion?
1: Yes. That wasn't a rant. No, I don't think so. Plea. Plea. I'm plea. I'm urging you. Urge. Just be happy. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. This is fun. Enjoy it. Now. If basketball, if watching this makes you that upset, you should find another hobby. It's really not worth it. I love basketball, Genuinely. but I don't want I don't want to recommend it to someone who can't enjoy it that's mad and angry all the time.
0: Yeah. I mean truthfully it is not worth doing something no. that makes you upset. You're Especially, missing. This is optional. This yeah. is pure entertainment. There are so many options. Pure entertainment. There are so many options. There's like 5,000 channels. Yeah. Now, 82 times per year, my TV is tuned in Fox Sports Southwest. Yes. Or to, I guess, ESPN. So 81 times yeah. per year. Yeah. Yeah. It's tuned in to Fox Some Sports TNT Southwest I enjoy then. basketball. I do too. I enjoy watching Luca. If you had to make a uh, an enjoyability uh, index or whatever – Luka would probably be the most enjoyable player to watch play basketball in the NBA.
1: It's it's up there. He's up there. There is, I
0: don't know, maybe LeBron because LeBron is awesome. Maybe right. Steph. Right. Everybody loves Steph. Right. Luka is like one of the most pure-hearted uh, basketball enthusiasts of our generation, and he plays, which is just like that's it's, so lucky. It's a joyous exuberance every time he's out there. This team is fun, man. Yeah. They take they take little dumb group photos
1: mm-hmm. in the tunnel before. But we they didn't get Kawhi, so I can't watch it.
0: Yeah, that's true. There's nothing endearing about this team at all, at all. Uh, I appreciated that skin. Thank you. Now, I will also say the season is 82 games long, so they might not be, after 30 games, they might not be 20 and 10. Mm -hmm. After 50 games, they might not be 30... 6-14, and Mm -hmm. and after 82 games, they might not even have a winning record. I have no idea. We have no idea what is going to happen between now and April 15th when they close out the season at home against the OKC Thunder on tax day, which there should really – that's really kind of depressing. It's a tough day. Yeah, that is a a very tough day. But that's kind of the point of this conversation, isn't it? We don't know what will happen in the season. We didn't know what was going to happen in the summer, and in the summer we definitely didn't know what was going to happen this season or five years from now. So there's just no point – in getting mad about stuff that you truly—and this is not an insult—you just have no idea about it. Yeah, I, and yeah, none I think of us know. I none mean, of us we, know. We were excited, yes, because they had cap space. We were excited when they got DeLon right because I really like that guy, but I didn't—I didn't know that he would be the best player of all time, like he has been so far. I, we know?
1: thought that he would be a good fit, and so far, he's been a really good fit. And so, I think you know, kind of the whole point of all of this is. You don't have to rush out with a negative opinion. Like, put some trust in the people that have given you all this great basketball. Mm. And even if you don't, even if you're skeptical, why gonna be so mean about it?
0: Right. Well, it's, it's, not de- it's not a big deal. It's not right. a big deal. First, I promise you, it is not a big deal. And Skin's optimism is not a big deal. I mean, it's a big ah, deal to me. I love it. Thank you. I think it's great. Yep, yep. Uh, it fuels this show, for sure. Yes. But...
1: You don't got to get mad at him for being... And, and I would say this. It's not like false optimism. I mean, I try to be a positive person because I think you can control your mood and you can control the way you look at things. Like I like to call it a reception strategy. But I would say this. The optimism's based on real life happenings and real track records and things. I can look back at 20 years of Mavericks basketball and compare it to other teams 20 years of basketball and go, wow, that's very favorable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm optimistic about this situation. Oh, You got Luka? Oh, then you turn that into Porzingis? Oh, I can be optimistic about this situation because I've watched basketball for a very long time. And one thing that I've seen over and over again is that when you put two super badass players on the floor, then the good players become very good players. And the very good players have a chance to become great players. There is a ripple effect. So looking at what DeLon Wright can do, it didn't even take take squinting to go, that's a good fit. That matters. That's going to be good. You don't have to try that hard to see it, but if you take a negative attitude into it because you're upset that you didn't get your Kawhi Leonard whoopee, well, you're not going to be able to see it. (laughs) And then you're going to be two weeks into the season going, man, I need to go delete all those dumbass tweets. Yeah,
0: Well, and it's the same stuff too, like whenever they're tanking and they win, and I would say, yeah, I'm happy that they got a win tonight. It, it's cool. They lost 17,000 games in a row. I'm happy that Maxi gets to experience what a win feels like.
1: Right. Oh, right.
0: none of these guys are going to be on the team whenever they're good again. I'm sorry. Like, eight players are on the team from last year's roster. So, a whole lot of them are.
1: You don't okay? tank. You, you, you tank when you have a team of guys that you don't think can play. Mm. If you're looking at your roster, you go, none of these guys can play. I don't want any of them. Any of them, tank. But if you have a bunch of guys and you think, man, these are good players, I want to be a part of something, you don't teach them how to lose on purpose. Yep. That's a waste of their time. Yep. And a waste of your money, too. And, by the way, oh, you don't know how the stupid balls are going to land.
0: Yeah, that's true. You don't true. know that. That's true. Dude, they turned Alec Peters into a Hall of Famer on the last night of the year to get a loss and still moved down two spots on lottery night. Right. So this is all just – New Orleans last year did a – in my opinion, a pretty bad job of tanking. Let's yeah. be real. I mean, they finished, what, tied for ninth worst odds? Mm-hmm. And they won the lottery. Right. Like, their entire franchise trajectory was shifted because they
1: got lucky. Do you remember the night that we played them and they gave Julius Randall a game-winning shot and he missed it and then pulled him in overtime? <laughs> I'm going, did you have a change of heart after the missed shot? Yeah. Like, what? I don't understand – what the logic is? This is so haphazard. Yeah, yeah. Because you know what? You know why? Because a competitor. I'm not criticizing a competitor in the moment is going. Yeah, I want to win. Oh, we didn't win. Oh, wait. What? What? Are, what is the game? Yeah. Winners win. Losers lose.
0: Yeah, and you try and win, man. You always try and win. And so anyway. Uh, or as the
1: great Dick Motta said, "Winners win. Losers have meetings."
0: Oh man. So what is this?
1: Just a podcast. Okay. So yep. it's not a
0: meeting. Nope. All right. Thank God. Because. Yep. I, there's just been so much winning around here lately that I, the I don't want to have another meeting. And that is I, and that the, is very – I don't like meetings. By
1: the way, I think the Mavericks have a great year and it's possible they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, That's that's, that's the reality true. of the Western Conference. That is very true. But after two weeks, my expectations keep going higher and higher because I see it on the floor and I see what they're capable of. You're doing of.
0: the same thing you did this summer, Skin. You are setting me up personally for heartbreak.
1: Well, no. Why don't you just go day-to-day and experience life the way it's supposed to be experienced? Okay. Right? Yeah. Just have a positive That's outlook. Beautiful. Look at things realistically and look at the the positive aspects and focus on that stuff. And if you want to go, you know, watch a bunch of sad movies and I don't know.
0: I like sad movies are good.
1: Drink stale beer, whatever in a dark sad room. Sad music is good. Can we listen to sad music? I love some good minor Even chords. Even if you're stuff, happy? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, you're yeah, just it's it's an outlook. Just yeah. do what you need to do. Okay.
0: Well, our uh, top secret Recording equipment that you can't see because my laptop is strategically placed in the way is about to run out of battery. Okay. Let's end Uh, it. You're about to have to do some important things. Yep. I am about to have to do my job for the rest of the day. Yep. So I think on that note probably time to get out of here skin jay Lim is in here hovering around the camera i think hey, the, that that thing is about there. to stop recording Th- too stick your face in there hop, hop in here oh whoa, whoa, whoa. that was some some blue screen did magic. you see how huge that guy is oh, my. that was he's gigantic he's the bobon of cameramen <laughs> uh it is numbers on the boards presented by Bedgear. we will be back with you uh i don't know uh, next week at some point but i'm gonna be on the road i'm going okay. on this road trip it's gonna be very emotional road trip, yeah uh, Memphis for the first back to back of the year, and then to Boston where it's always crazy, and then to New York. Oh my god! Where it is going to get crazy? Saucy up the anti
1: I, I think I'll be with you guys in Memphis. Okay. Uh, and then I'm coming back home, so you'll have okay. to carry the torch after.
0: Yeah. That. So that is uh, that is next weekend, I think, and then the following week. So anyway, we'll we'll, we'll get out. you a podcast at some point. Hopefully, the winning times continue, man. It's four and two. It's been a blast so far. Luca, love you. KP, love you. Rick. No one will ever sleep on you again. And uh, until then, skin, I'm Bobby. This is Numbers on the Boards, and we'll see you.
1: See ya.